Monday, everyone. Michael Seifert here with Refining Politics and Culture. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. Currently, we are eight days away from arguably one of the most important elections of the last hundred years. And as time goes on, it becomes more and more clear that this election is about far more than just two people. Its importance stretches far beyond simply Republican or Democrat. This election truly is about two vastly different competing worldviews regarding what the United States should look like into the future. If we get so caught up in the shallow attributes, the personality of it all, we miss it. Now, I want to be clear, both sides have imperfections, and neither side's ideology perfectly embodies the principles of the Bible. But if we look closer, we may see that the choice on November 3rd could be more clear than we think. So, for example, let's get into some issues where the perspectives of the right and the left vary greatly. One worldview desires to prioritize American economic interests while holding the Chinese communists accountable for their human rights abuses. This will benefit the manufacturers, by the way. While the other desires to enable China and other adversaries through the rise of multinational corporation-fueled globalism. One worldview supports the sovereignty of Israel and brokers previously unheard of peace deals in the Middle East, while the other desires to abandon Israel in order to cozy up to the Iranian regime. One ideological side is fighting for school choice and charter schools, while the other has become servants to the teachers' unions that actually hold teachers and the education system back rather than enable its success. One side desires American energy independence, while the other wants to radically transform our society, seemingly overnight, in order to kowtow to the unrealistic demands of the climate extremists. One is advocating for an increase in religious liberties in order to protect Americans' freedom of religion, while the other side desires to cancel the culturally unpopular personal and religious views of millions of Americans on issues like gender, marriage, sexuality. One worldview results in a flourishing economic climate in minority neighborhoods through investment incentivization like opportunity zones, while the other believes that the, honestly, racist practices of affirmative action are the only way to actually achieve societal equity. One judicial philosophy desires to uphold the original intentions of judges and justices' roles as allocated by the Constitution, while the other desires to turn the courts into another pseudo-legislative branch. And there's a hundred other issues I could mention, but the last I want to share is this, and I do believe it's the most important. There are thousands of babies killed each day in the United States through abortion. One side wants to end this genocide. The other wants to enable it. And I know that may sound harsh, but follow the logic with me here. Do you believe that the fetus is a life? Which science and faith backs up, by the way. If so, that means you inherently believe that abortion is purposely ending the life of a child, also known as murder. And if that's the case, thousands of coordinated murders take place every day in this country, which is also known as genocide. And in the United States, this genocide is currently legal. I always find it interesting that Christians get so much flack for being one issue above all else voters, because that's like criticizing the abolitionists for being too focused on ending slavery or criticizing the allies for being too strong in their opposition to Hitler. If you believe a genocide is taking place, which, again, you inherently do if you believe that that fetus is a life that deserves protection, wouldn't we do anything and everything we could to end this atrocity? Wouldn't we certainly vote to end this atrocity? At the end of the day, unless Americans choose either not to vote, write in someone, or vote for a third-party candidate, then you have two presidential candidates that represent these policy differences to choose from, Trump and Biden. And of course, there are people like John Piper, who's a notable Christian leader, who I actually have a great deal of respect for, who just the other day announced he would disregard both candidates and write someone in instead. And that's his prerogative, but I do believe this is a misguided approach. And actually, to explain why, I want to reference the words of John Piper himself back in 2004. He was writing at the time about his perspective on voting for the lesser of two evils, and he said, and I'm quoting here, 
Now, if you are dissatisfied today the way I am, why vote? The answer is that if you don't, you are guilty of the very oversimplification you condemn. There is no escape from responsibility by pointing out the imperfections of leaders. That is the only kind of leaders there will ever be. Our calling in this world is not to wait for the arrival of the perfect, but to pick our way through the thicket of flaws. We would be arrogant to put ourselves above this fray and say, a curse on both your houses. The Lord Jesus does not give us this luxury of disengagement. And I find it interesting that John would disregard his own advice in this coming election, but I'm not going to. When I vote for President Trump in eight days, I'm voting for what he represents and the policies he's contended for in his first three and a half years of his presidency. I've seen his personal faults, and I don't hesitate to call them out. But the reality is, in politics, the best way to judge the character and aptitude of a leader through all the media noise is by looking at their policies and what they stand for in office. In the same way you can judge a tree by its fruit, you can often judge the quality of a president by his policies. This is why being a believer in God wasn't a prerequisite for Cyrus when God chose to anoint him as king to protect Israel, or why even Samson, with all of his moral failures, is in the hall of faith as a righteous judge. My concern in the coming election is that people will vote based upon temporal circumstances, personality differences, or some mental pros and cons list of personal sins committed in the past by both candidates, rather than voting for the type of future they want to create. There's a famous African-American economist, one of my favorites, his name is Thomas Sowell, and he once said that some Americans will never appreciate America until they have helped destroy it and have then begun to suffer the consequences. This does not have to be America's future. And when I see prayer rallies of 30,000 people in D.C. like we saw yesterday, I feel such hope that it won't be. Ultimately, we will feel the effects of our vote, not just for the next four years, but for the decades to come, for better or for worse. And it's important we keep that in mind on November 3rd. That's all I have for today. I cannot wait to speak to you all tomorrow for my full-length Tuesday episode. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.